0: Buenos dias. So glad to be here. The Lord be with you. My name is Eddie Alleman, and I have been serving the Reformed Church in America as the General Secretary for the last four years. This has been quite a journey for me. As a pastor, as a leader, you know, I love the church. I love the local congregation. I never saw myself as a denominational executive, but this is what God called me, and I'm doing my best to serve God and to serve the Reformed Church in the, during this season of the life that we're living as a denomination. My beautiful wife is here with me. She likes to sit all the way to the back. As she's Daisy. We have been married for 33 years, almost 34 in December. We have been blessed. We married right out of high school, so I'm not that old. Uh, but I have been married for 34 years, uh, and uh, three we have three o- adult children. They, our oldest is 32 years old. Do not believe that I was 19 years old with a, with a little kid, and then he had a son when he was 19. So my grandson right now is 12 years old, and uh, and we are blessed with four beautiful grand, grandchildren. They live in Canada. Uh, we actually we came to to the U.S. from Canada. I was born in Nicaragua and moved to Canada in the 80s, 1987. Uh, I landed in Canada. I thought that I was going to stay there for a long time and I was going to make Canada my place of, you know, living. I met Daisy there. Our children were born in Canada, but God called us to the U.S. Actually, came to Holland for. You know, for seminary. I graduated I graduated in the early 2000, 2003 and then God called me to California. So I've been in California, was a church planter, a pastor in California for ten years, and then God called me back to to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh and uh, and it's been it's been quite a journey for me. It's been good. Uh it's been challenging and uh it's been great. I believe that God is doing something amazing. You know, with us today. So today, I'm so happy to share with you uh, a word uh, from from uh, from the book of Hebrews, uh, and uh, and I have titled you know my my sermon this morning, encouragement for the journey. So I want to read uh, this morning Hebrews chapter three, verses twelve through fourteen, just three verses uh, from. Uh, chapter Three of Hebrews. But before we do that, before we 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 read uh, 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 scripture, let me let me offer a, a, a brief prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to be here today with my dear brothers and sisters of North Holland Reformed Church. Thank you for the opportunity to be here again. I think I've been here before. And uh, and today I, I give you thanks for this uh, for this time this time of worship uh, this beautiful morning Lord uh, I pray Lord that uh, the words that I will be sharing today will be a blessing to us that we gathered this morning to hear Your Word uh, I pray Lord for for Your peace for Your grace. And, uh, and allow me, Lord, to share with clarity so that we can receive what you have for us this morning. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Chapter 3 uh, of the book of Hebrews, uh, verses 12, 13, and 14. Hear, hear the word of the Lord coming from Hebrews. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart, that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened uh, by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the very end. This is the word of the Lord. So, life is beautiful. You know, I'm in love with life. I love to walk and see the trees. And I love when I see people having a good time. Life is beautiful, isn't it? It is just amazing to see the beautiful world that God has created. And God has given me the opportunity to be in different places, and, and visit, visit a lot of different places. I always take an, an opportunity every time I travel to take uh, one day to explore the beauty, the beauty of the place that I, um, that I, that I, that I visit. So, so, so life is beautiful, but, but let me tell you that the journey of life is complicated. It is hard. It is difficult. And, and, and it is because of the, of, of the reality of the presence of sin. God did not create the world to be complicated. But because of the reality of the presence of sin, the world is difficult. And, and today, we live in a complicated world. Uh, there are so many things going on. You know, and, and I can you can imagine all of the things going on. You know that, uh, especially that we're living in our in in our own context here in North America. It's so hard to see children going to school and then somebody coming into school and start shooting kids. I cannot believe that. It is so hard to see, you know, to watch the news about you know uh, families enjoying Fourth of July in a parade and somebody that just wanted to shoot people just yes, because and. Uh, and that's the reality that we're seeing today. Many people are dying today because of that COVID-19. is a, it's a, it's a complicated, you know, situation that has affected the world, churches and many, many different places. So, So the world in which we live today is a difficult one. And then if we look our own lives, it is so hard sometimes, many times that we get news that, are so, so complicated. You know, on on, on Monday, uh, this week actually, on Monday, I had eye surgery because something in my eye was like coming, you know, weird, uh, a little thing on my eye that was affecting me. And and my doctor said, Eddie, I I don't know what is this. We need to check it out, but uh, we need to take it out and send it to pathology to see if it's just a benign little thing or if it is something else. And, And I said, you're kidding me. You know, I don't have any time for that, but 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 the doctor, you know, I said, I okay, just do surgery now. I'm just praying that it will just be something, you know, benign and and everything will be done. So life is complicated, and and, and you know, I have a lot of friends going through really really hard time today in in life. It is so it is so hard, so difficult the reality of the world that we're living today. Uh, but you know. The book of Hebrews, you know, talks about encouragement, and, and I believe that this is important for us today, you know, as we see the reality that we're living, you know, as a, as a nation, the reality that we're living as a denomination, you know, those of us as part of the Reformed Church in America, you know, I have been in some meetings that are just like, I, I can't believe this is a church conversation, a church should be easy. You know, church should be great because we preach about forgiveness. We preach about acceptance. We preach about encouragement. That's what we preach about. You know, we open the Bible and and hear God's Word. And sometimes, you know, it's so hard to be in church meetings that are, like, hard, tough, complicated. And uh, so so the book of Hebrews talks about encouragement. And uh, in in chapter 1, if you start reading... That uh, a beautiful letter of the New Testament, uh, you see uh, the you know the, the writer trying to give us encouragement, and the writer the writer of the Hebrews is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus, in in chapter one, you know the 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 writer affirms that Jesus is better than the prophets, Jesus is better than the angels, Jesus Jesus is better than than Moses himself. So, so so, the writer is trying to convince us, to convince the readers, that religion will never provide what Jesus can provide for us. In fact, we should be less religious, I believe, because religion leads us to a different situation, to a different place, but Jesus leads us to a, a whole different direction. So, so the writer is, in, in this book of Hebrews, is telling us, focus on Jesus the world is beautiful but it's also hard and it's complicated focus on Jesus don't give up don't give up hope of the gospel keep believing keep hoping and embrace Jesus because Jesus is better than anybody else or anything else so 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 in this passage that we read this morning of chapter 3 you know there is a warning there is a, an encouragement or exhortation, and also there is a promise, and this is what I want to share with you uh, today. So, so this is a uh, there is a beautiful, there is a beautiful, there is a warning. Also, there is a, a, an encouragement, and also there is a promise. Let me start with a warning. What is the warning that uh, uh, this passage talks about, especially chapter three of of this uh, of the book of Hebrews? So, so the warning. Uh, hear what it says chapter 12 in verse 12 it says uh, see to it brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God so that is a warning I like how the new living translations put this you know this this passage this verse be careful be careful then dear brothers and sisters Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. So be careful, so that your own hearts turns you away from God. So, so in the earlier parts of verse three of chapter three, uh, the writers. You know, the, the writer of this uh, a book warns the reader not to harden their hearts against God's voice. And, and he uses the people of Israel as an example. You know, if you, if you read uh, Exodus, you know, the, the book of Exodus and the story of the, you know, of the people of Israel, go, you know, coming out of Egypt into the promised land. You know, the the Hebrews use that story and talks about about the example of the Hebrews. And and, uh, in verses 8 through 10, hear what it says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my way. My way. So, so the writer is saying, you know, pay attention to what happened, you know, when the people of Israel were coming out of Egypt into the promised land. That even though they saw all of the things that God did to protect them, to bless them, to provide for them, you know, they were always against God. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting here that they, all, they you know, to, to, to see that the distinction that the writer is making about seeing, you know, being a witness of the things that God does with knowing his ways. There is a difference, you know, because if we do not know the ways of the Lord, it doesn't matter what kind of miracles we can see happening around us. It is about us having a close relationship with God. You know, they were always, you know, they will always went straight uh, in their hearts, not knowing the ways of the Lord. So why is it that even though they saw a lot of the things that God was doing to protect them, to bless them, you know, as they were going, you know, leaving Egypt into the promised land, why is it that these people did not you know, follow God as God wanted to, uh, them to follow Him. It was because they did not know the, way, the ways of God. It is so important, friends, to know the ways of the Lord. And, and I believe the writer of Hebrews here is inviting us to, to go deeper into our faith, to go deeper into, you know, our journey of, of knowing God, our journey of being close to God. Uh, because we can be witnesses of a lot of things that God has done. And we, you know, I have seen miracles in my my own life and the life of many people. But if I do not know the ways of the Lord, that will not mean anything for me and for all of us. And the problem, you know, with the people of Israel, based on this chapter 3 of Hebrews, that, that Hebrews is inviting us, the problem was that they did not know the ways of the Lord. So all of the things that they saw, their hearts became hardened and more hard and hard that even though God was doing amazing things to protect them to bless them they were always you know complaining about about what happened and if you see what happened at the end none of them made it you know all of the people that came out of Egypt every single one of them died in the desert every single one of them only two people were able to make it to the other side. You know, it is, it is just, even including Moses. Moses himself died. So who entered then the promised land? It was a new generation of people. Those that were born in the desert. So none of the people that were born in Egypt made it to the other side. So, so the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, please get to know the ways of the Lord. Not just seeing, you know, what, because, you know, throughout history... Throughout history of humanity, humanity, people have seen God at work, you know, and we have no excuse. And Paul, in Romans 1, if you read the chapter 1 of the book of Romans, uh, uh, Romans 1.20, people say, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made, so that People are without excuse. So we are witnesses of the beautiful creation of God. We can see, you know, in the world the beauty, the, the beauty of God. We just need to open our eyes and see around us to see how God is present. So when we read the the, the stories of the Old Testament, you know, from Genesis to Malachi, uh, we you know, we have to agree that God has been at work. We have to agree that God has been present. And in all of the stories, you know, uh, uh, that, that we read in the, in the Old Testament, uh, you can see that God has been present. The problem has been that many of us, you know, and, and many people, they don't desire to go deeper in knowing the ways of God because there is no excuse for us to know that God is with us and God is present. But the question is, how willing are we to really know the ways of God? And, and, and I love, you know, King David. You know, if you read the Psalms, uh, it, is, it is beautiful to see, to see that connection, you know, of, of David, you know, with uh, uh, his connection with God his desire with God, and God really loves those people, those people that are crazy about, about loving him, those people that, that really, you know, have a, a really high value of getting close to God. So in, in Psalm 25, it's, 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 Psalm 25 is a beautiful psalm, and, and you see the, the, the request that David is making. In verses 4 and 5, Psalm 25 says, "'Show me your ways, Lord, teach me your path.'" Show me your ways. I want to know your ways. So show me your ways and teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. So so, so the warning that we see here for us is not to allow our hearts to be hardened. You know, not to allow our heart to be sinful, but... Our, the warning is just to, and, and in order for that to happen, we need to go, to go, to go deeper into into our knowledge of God, into into the ways of the Lord, and ask the same question, the the, the same request that David was asking, and asking God every single day, Lord, help me to be close to you, help me to know your ways, because I I, I have seen your work. I can see the miracles. I can see the reality of the presence of God, the reality of, of I just need to open my eyes. But that's not enough for me to be close to you. I need to know the ways of the Lord. So, so, so the warning that we have that, that, that we have in this passage, it is to, uh, uh, not to allow our hearts to be hardened because of the reality that we're seeing today in the world, but to go deeper into our knowledge of God. So there is also an encouragement in this passage. Uh, the, the, or, 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 you know, some people might call it an exhortation. Uh, so, so, but but the, the encouragement here um, is in verse 13. If you see verse 13, it said, But encourage one another daily, as long as, as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So so encouragement is so important. This is an exhortation of each one of us to come alongside our brother and sister. You know, to warn and to give comfort and to bless somebody every single day. And to, to really walk alongside people, you know, it, it, this life is hard, this life is beautiful, and but it's also complicated. And we need to in, the, the encouragement from one another. And uh, and, and, and the, the exhortation here is for us to support and to bless one another. Uh, how can we encourage one another? And that's a, I think that's an important question. And there are so many ways to encourage one another. I'm going to give you three. Uh, but you, have, you might have other ideas, you know, send a text to somebody, just call somebody that you haven't seen, bless somebody, wake up in the morning and bless somebody and, uh, with, uh, with just a hello or a text message. I'm going to give you three ways to encourage one another. So, so we are encouraged by each other's example of, guide, of godly living. We're encouraged by each other's example of godly living. I'm sure that you know some people that you admire in faith. Do you? I have a lot of people. I can think about, about, about a lot of people today that have been a huge blessing for me in my journey. You know, I came to Jesus when I, I was 16 years old. And uh, and there were so many people that were uh, an awesome example of faith for me in my, in my, in my youth. And uh, they encourage me, they bless me. Uh, some of them are not with us, with me here, and, uh, uh, but some of them are still here. And, uh, and I can think of them, and I pray for them, and I bless them, I call them, I am also in connections with them. So, so it is so important for us to give testimony of our faith, to give testimony of our commitment to, to God, you know, when I was a church planter in California, I, you know, I, I came to a, a, a place that um, I did not know anybody, and I did not come to a church building. You know, my wife and my three kids, we just pulled into Fresno, California, without a church, without anybody to support us, only with a congregation that were praying for me, and they were giving me some financial support, and, uh, and it was so hard to start the church with nobody, you know, start the church, you know, just to share the gospel with new people. But I, I was blessed that I, I baptized the whole congregation. You know, I can say that I baptized my whole congregation and I disciple everybody. I showed them the ways of God and just pointed to Jesus and it was beautiful. But let me tell you, you know, the beginning of that work was so hard, was so complicated. That one day I just wanted to just quit and just leave um, and, uh, and just go home. And home for me was to- Toronto, Canada. So I said, I'm in California all the way to-, to the West Coast. I just need to go home. But there was a couple that started coming to church. Uh, past- uh, uh, now is a pastor, Pastor Jose and Anna, And they were a really awesome encouragement for me. It was so awesome to see them walking to the church every Sunday. And sometimes it was just my family and Jose and Anna. And, and, and God, you know, put into my heart, and he said, you know, I'm sending Jose and Anna to encourage you. Just, just see their commitment to the faith. And, and many times I say, okay, Jose, we're going to close the church. Yeah, God bless you, and just go home. And... But, but with them... It, it really gave me, even though I was the pastor, even though I was preaching every Sunday, even though I was sharing God's word, for them just to show up and to bless me, because they were older than, than us, you know, to bless me and to bless my wife and to bless, bless my three kids, that really helped me in my journey. And then after two years, we had a beautiful congregation, and we planted several seven other churches out of that church, but... Jose and Anna were a huge blessing for me. So, so we're encouraged by, by each other's example of godly living, uh, godly life. And, 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 and I'm sure that you might know some of those people. So bless them today. You know, if you haven't talked to them, I, I encourage you to call them and bless them. And just send them a text. You know, those people that has been a blessing in your own journey. Because it is beautiful to see the examples. And so many times we don't have to say a single word. We don't have to say anything to encourage and bless other people. We just need to show up, and uh, and we just need to to be faithful people of God, uh, and and people around us are just are just watching us and and, and looking at us. So so the, the the testimony that we share with one another is so so important. So another way to encourage one another is. By our own commitment to one another. How do you encourage another person? By your own commitment to the other person. So so when we talk about commitment to another, an important biblical question comes to mind. Am I your brother's keeper? Do you remember that question? Do you remember who asked that question? Am I my brother's keeper? In Genesis 4.9... You know, Cain asked this question to God when God asked him about his brother. Where is your brother? Of course, God knew where, what happened, but he wanted Cain to confess, you know, what he had done. And he asked this question. Am I my brother's keeper? So am I responsible for my brother? Why are you asking me about him? Am I responsible about my brother? Am I responsible about my sister in the faith? Am I responsible? So so the answer to this important biblical question is, yes, we are responsible for one another. Friends, this is the essence of what it means to be Christian. This is the essence of Christianity. We are responsible to our brothers and sisters. We're called to support one another. We're called to bless one another. We are called to encourage one another. Yes, we are our brother's keepers. You know, and, 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 and this, is, this is so important for our walk in the faith. You know, blessing one another, supporting one another, because life is tough. It's challenging. So, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are each other's keeper. God calls us to be it's so the support and encouragement to one another. I love a little book written by a, a, a German theologian. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's an amazing little book. You know, it's, it's a theological book, but I, it's fun. Uh, and the title is Life Together. He was also a pastor. And, and he was teaching his congregation The importance of living life together. The importance that church is not a place where we go. Church is a place where we belong. And that makes the whole difference. You know, church is not a place to go. Because anybody can walk into any church. Church is not a place to go. Church is a place to belong. And belonging and attending are two different things i hope you're hearing me so belonging to a community of faith it is so different than attending a congregation or going to church to hear a nice beautiful sermon from the pastor or a nice beautiful song you know from the worship leaders so there's a difference between going to church and belonging to a church So, so, uh, uh, so, what, what, what the the writer here is saying? You know, we have to support one another. We need to bless one another. We we need to encourage one another. So, so, I encourage you to read this little book. You know, life together. It's short. It's beautiful. It's just amazing. That talks about uh, about the importance of living life together. So we need each other in this journey because this journey is hard, it's complicated. So let us remember the the importance of community. Community is important, and it is great, and it is needed. So so we encourage one another by our commitment to one another. And and, and lastly, how, how, how are we encouraged? I think we're encouraged by each other's commitment to the gospel. So the importance of the gospel... And I love to see the early church about that. If you read the early church, you know, after Jesus' uh, proclamation of the good news, after Jesus' death and resurrection, you know, and ascension, he commanded his disciples to be together. You know, I, 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 I love, you know, when, when I read the beginning of the book of Acts, You know, when many of the of the of the Jewish people came to Jesus and many of those people that were following him, they they met with Jesus and say, "Okay, Jesus, now um, you are resurrected. You are now living. Are you going to take over? Are you going to overthrow the Romans? You know, these people, these evil Romans have been, you know, uh, 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 abusing us for so many years. Is this the time, Lord? That was the question that many of those people in the the beginning of the book of Acts was asking to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, let me get things straight. You know, the freedom is not a political freedom that I'm talking about. The freedom that I'm talking about is a spiritual freedom. So stay in Jerusalem. Stay here. Because... In a very few days, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he said, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You know, it's the center of of Jerusalem. And then in Judea, a little farther. And then in Samaria. And then to the ends of the world. So the freedom that Jesus brought was not a political freedom. The freedom that Jesus brought was a freedom from the heart, from the evil one, a a freedom from from a a spiritual freedom. So it was not about that. And Jesus said, let me get this straight, straight to you, friends. You will receive power. So we're encouraged by one another's commitment to the gospel. And what is the gospel? You know, the gospel is the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the death of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus. You know, our commitment to the gospel is what makes all the difference in the world. And finally, so that was the encouragement. We encourage one another by doing all this. And finally, the promise. The promise that we have in this passage, in this verse. Verse 14 said, we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. You may be asking, what does sharing in Christ mean? In verse 14, I believe that's a that's a really important question. What, what does that mean, sharing in Christ? It means that we are saved by faith and identified in Christ, in his death and in his resurrection. We are part of the family. Of Jesus' family. And as a good Reformed pastor, you know, this comes to mind, you know, the Heidelberg Catechism. Question and answer number one. That's what sharing Christ means. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that no hair can fall from my, my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his holy spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly Willing and ready from now on to live for Him. So we share in Christ when we identify with Him. We share in Christ when we hold on to the hope that we have in the Lord. So, as a conclusion, I just want to say, encourage one another. Encourage one another daily. And encourage one another today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to come before you today to hear your word and to be encouraged in your journey, in the journey of faith. I pray for North Holland Reformed Church, for Pastor Stephen, for Aaron, for the elders, deacons of this congregation. And I pray, Lord, that your grace, your peace, and the blessing of your presence will be with them always. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.